Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. Ace Podcast. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, we're talking about the importance of Super Bowl commercials. Is the EA Star Wars Love Fest over? And who is the best pro wrestler in the world today? Plus a whole lot more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back for another great episode of the pop culture cosmos my name is gerald glassford from pop culture cosmos and game source we truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today and you know if it's a pop culture cosmos you gotta have my main man here he is the legend of humanica media which you can catch all their great stuff today on humanicamedia.com youtube podbean and apple podcasts it's josh peterson what's going on my friend not much, man. Just got back from a party. We were watching the World Series. Um, it's just a great, <laughs> it's a great experience, you know. The uh, <laughs> that Stanley Cup there was really yeah, awesome. Yes, man. Stanley Cup was great. The uh, the Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, you know, they they took it home, and it's just it, a lot of fun. Man, I thought the Daytona 500 was not for a couple weeks. I must have gotten that all wrong. I'll tell you what, we've got a lot of great stuff on plate for you today. We're going to be talking about. We know it's the Super Bowl and all the great commercials. We're going to be talking about some of the ones we liked, some of the ones we didn't like, and also some of the movie trailers that you got a great glimpse at during the big game. Plus, also as well, we've got Rob McCallum standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. Well, we just wanted to share our congratulations to Rob McCallum on the birth of his baby daughter this past weekend. We are truly excited and happy to tell everyone out there that he is the father of a six-pound, 11-ounce baby girl, and he is truly, truly happy indeed. But we will be having Cosmic Crossfires. We've taped a few so that he will actually be a part of the show for the next couple of weeks. So he's still going to be out there, so we're looking forward to that. Plus also as well, Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. We're going to be talking who we think the best wrestler, male or female, in the world right now. So we're going to share our thoughts on that and a whole lot more. Plus also as well, is Thor the Dark World even worse now than it was before? We're going to be sharing our thoughts on that and a whole lot more. But first, Josh, it was the Super Bowl this past weekend. It was a great game, of course. We enjoyed it thoroughly, but, you know... The football game now is becoming second place to what everybody talks about, and that's all the great commercials and trailers that go on during the Super Bowl presentation. So I ask you, Josh, 
First off, why is it so important for all these companies, these manufacturers, these producers, these filmmakers, these entities that are out there in pop culture and also as well retail and, and products and all that, why is it so important for these companies and these filmmakers to be able to show their wares during this big game? Well, once upon a time, I would have told you it was because it was one of the most uh, most viewed sports events of the of the year. But I don't know how true that is now with the NFL's declining ratings. But it, it's still by it, far it, and away one of the largest watched byproducts of the entire year. There, there's just really not many things that are even close. Right. So it's just you know what better time to advertise something and it's funny because the super bowl commercials they're, they're not just commercials anymore there's a lot of people like you know you have wives who don't like football or, or dudes who don't like football whatever it they it's become the thing where people watch the super bowl specifically for the commercials and for the halftime show because they spend a lot of money on it and also they're almost like in some ways short films correct that expand out into their websites and all that some of them turn out even to 10 15 minute films correct yeah you can watch extended versions it used to be like a spot on the super bowl cost like two it's like two something ridiculous two million dollars or something like that for so you, for a 30 second spot but i believe it is much more than that yeah so if you think about that you're paying that much money to get just to have a spot and then you look at the quality of some of these commercials and you wonder how what was the budget to create that and so they you know they are very high quality well-made commercials and that's why i used to always love the dorito commercials so much was that they were made by you know average joes were making these commercials and doritos were putting their commercials out in front of millions of people but now you know now they're doing more of their own like corporate stuff but that was a really cool thing with the dorito commercials was that you know you could have like a your average filmmaker sign up for these contests and then get his stuff shown in front of millions of people but yeah, I mean, some of the commercials are fantastic. I know, especially like the movie trailers. A lot of people are, you know, only watch football at this time of year for the movie trailers. But what makes me sad is, I don't know if you've noticed this, a lot of the stuff that they're played during this year's Super Bowl, they've been playing for weeks before the commercial aired. Or you could find them easily on social media. It was only really the trailers for some of the films that really could not be seen ahead of time in any great detail. And there were some surprises indeed, uh, even for some of the TV viewing as well with Hulu, Netflix, and also HBO as well, popping in as well and throwing their money around quite a bit as far as if you get a chance to watch all the stuff that was going on during those commercials. I want to ask you, first off, it goes for me way back to when Ridley Scott himself maker of the Blade Runner, the Gladiator, the Alien movies that we all know and love, he actually was one of the first to produce a high-quality commercial for, amazingly enough, Apple and the really introduction of the Macintosh that really started to catapult them into, you know, into becoming a player within the computer realm. And it started with a Super Bowl ad that he directed. So you see the importance of what can happen with a, a quality commercial. You get the momentum off of it, but also works both ways. If you really have a turkey that doesn't really fly with consumers, how bad that can trend as well, especially in, in the social media marketplace. 
And that's that's the downside too of watching commercials during the Super Bowl or airing something is that you know if it's bad, there's so much that it's going to be compared to that if it's bad or boring or whatever, people don't like it or even like this least bit controversial, it's going to get buried in news articles the next day. It's going to be uh, social media, blogs, whatever you name it, people are going to be talking about it. So it's a huge risk and it's it's a huge reward, but it also has a lot of potential for negative fallout too. So I ask you, Josh, name me one commercial that you really liked and one commercial that you really thought was just a waste of a lot of time and a lot of their money. I don't know. I didn't really like Dodge usually makes good commercials. Like last year they had they had a pretty decent commercial, but this one with like the Vikings and they're dragging the Dodge Ram through the, the water that didn't make any sense to me. It didn't really connect because I had to sit there and think about why they were doing that. And also utilizing the words of the immortal Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not exactly the best matchup in the world as well. Right. During a Viking commercial, like if they would have said, you know, quoted Ragnar Lothbrok or something, that would have been one thing. But yeah, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me and as for one that stood out i'm gonna have to say the uh peter dinklage uh morgan freeman commercial but again that's one that we were able to watch two or three days before it even aired on the super bowl that one was for a combination of doritos and also mountain dew which will probably have pepsico stock up a little bit come uh the, you know the rest of this week so I will tell you this, my favorite among all the commercials, I'm going to probably say for me, the Doritos one was really, really good. I also kind of like the Crock-Pot, especially with the correlation that the This Is Us episode with how Jack really perishes or you know, at least something from that 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 was responsible for the house burning down and and injuries sustained and whatnot or death sustained. So I, I can't say some of the people haven't seen the episode yet, so they don't know if, if Jack dies, how Jack dies in this uh, you know type of house fire or whatnot caused by the crock pot. But the fact that they went out of the way that Milo Ventimiglia from This Is Us went to actually doing a Crock-Pot commercial to support the Crock-Pot community was uh, was kind of cool. And then also Amazon. I think Amazon with all the guest voices in there with Alexa being down, I thought that was pretty creative. And I thought that was uh, a really a great idea, a novel idea for a company that really doesn't need a whole lot of help right now and has a lot of momentum. So that, those were my picks. I, I want to say, actually, for me, the bad one's probably Chris Pratt's. He was really misused in, in his commercials uh, for, I think, was Michelob Ultra, or was it? So I just was kind of disappointed at the way he was utilized uh, within these framework of his commercials. And also, I don't know, man, are you really interested in Mango Diet Coke? No. I had somebody today was trying to convince me to try a uh, double IPA mango beer, and I just had a hard time even imagining something like that existing. So yeah, those were those were uh, some downers. I know there was also so, some promising ones as well. But for can we, us, can, real oh, quick, can we give a standing ovation to the uh, Tide commercial with? Uh, oh yes, Star yes, Mark. yeah. He was all over the place, and you know what? I thought that was really creative that they brought back Tide brought back some of those well known 
commercials from recent past from Old Spice, also Mr. Clean and, and a few others as well. And also the mock prescription medication commercial. I thought that was pretty funny as well. I, I like the fact that they were went ahead and thought outside of the box on that. When you're spending that kind of money, it's it's really it's really a gamble to think outside of the box like that and either hit or misses. But I do think Tide actually really resonated with their audience as far as trying to go ahead and, and be outside the box by having all those reminders of the recent past from those commercials and being involved in them at this point in time was a really uh, neat idea. But there was also some some great movie trailers and also previews for stuff coming to streaming video as well. I want to ask you, Josh, this is our deal of Pop Culture Cosmos. When you and I see those commercials pop up, you know, our our eyes just like get in tune, our ears perk up. You know, we stay in tune trying to check out every detail. So of the trailers that, that were shown for films that were out there, what were some of the ones that stood out to you the most that really have got you excited for the movies going forward? So I know we've kind of been talking about the potential fallout for a Han Solo movie, and like that actually looked looked decent because it looks like it took that dark tone that um, – Rogue One had, and that it, I really want to return to a Star Wars of that world, not like the not the Last Jedi or whatever, but like the Dark Empire days. Like that looks looks like it could be interesting. I'm not gonna say it looks good, but it looks like it could be a return to form from the Last Jedi, which I still have a bad taste in my mouth from. And I also want to say this: that was a teaser for the trailer that came out Monday. Just want to let everybody know the trailer has dropped for Solo. That was a teaser shown at the Super Bowl. If you want to see it and you haven't seen it yet, just check out our site on Facebook, Pop Culture Cosmos, and it pops right up for you right there. Check it on out. You're going to be probably pleasantly surprised at how good it looks, especially after all the problems and whatnot as far as the firing of the directors, bringing in Ron Howard. So definitely looking forward to seeing that now. And I'm, I'm glad I was proven wrong. I told either was it you or Rob that I thought the Super Bowl was the last beacon of hope for the movie coming out still during Memorial Day weekend. And it looks like they were just using that as a setup for the actual movie trailer to come out on Monday, the day after. So it, it looks like that it is now going to be something that Disney is now hopefully getting behind as it ramps up towards the Memorial Day weekend and its opening premiere. But what are some of the other surprises that were out there? I know something that Netflix just recently got, which came just completely out of left corner for me, was really a surprise. But I'll let you detail a little bit more about it because it's something that you were really interested in seeing, even if when you thought that it was coming to the theaters. Yeah, I've, I don't like. I'm I'm a fan of the Cloverfield. We're talking about uh, the Cloverfield paradox, and. I'm a which fan. was the god particle just one little yeah and i'm a fan of the cloverfield series but i'm also not a fan like i'm a fan of the way that they they want to create this shared universe uh between different genres of film that are all connected somehow i'm not a fan of how they for kind of force 10 cloverfield lane to be a cloverfield movie and I'm not a fan of how they just won't tell us what the crap happened after the original Cloverfield movie. And then also, this is going to, the Cloverfield paradox is going to talk about 
what happened how it started how it started and yeah. i'm assuming that it in a future cloverfield format whether it's film or whether it's through netflix that they're going to probably tell that end of the story coming up i would assume correct yeah that's the assumption it because i don't know if you know this but originally it was supposed to go to theaters and Paramount turned it down, and then uh, I think Fox also turned it down because it was too similar to uh, Life, that movie with Ryan Reynolds in them that came out last year. But it was still, up until very recently, set for uh, a late March, I think, or, or a late spring release in theaters. Yeah, so that's definitely a surprise. I had heard that Netflix, they were shopping it around with Netflix. I thought that it was a separate Cloverfield property, though. So I what's, what I'm... I'm curious to see now is now that this is coming out on Netflix because they already have allegedly Cloverfield four is already like wrapped filming and nobody really knows what it's about. So I'm curious to know is this going to be released in theaters or is this just going to be another gone to Netflix type thing? Cloverfield four. I heard that same thing. And I, at the time I've read two articles on it. It said it was coming out in theaters later this year. So you're right. It, the same scenario can happen all over again. But if people want to check it out, The Cloverfield Paradox, they can actually check it out right now on Netflix because it was made available right after the Super Bowl. So they can check it out right now anytime they want if they have a Netflix subscription. There was just so many great things to see. And we're just glad that you got a chance to check everything out along with us. And and really, as far as pop culture, just truly one of the great events indeed. What are your thoughts on the Super Bowl commercials and the Super Bowl trailers? Is there one or two that you really liked and one or two that you really didn't like as well? We want to know both the good and bad in your opinion. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanic and Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. We've got an excellent show, like I said, lined up for you. We've got Brand new daddy, Rob McCallum, standing by in the Cosmic Crossfire. He's going to be, again, touching on one of his great pop culture subjects right after the break. Later on, we're also going to have Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. You got to check it out if you are a pro wrestling fan to get the latest insight into pro wrestling. He is going to be talking with me, and we're going to be sharing our thoughts on the best pro wrestler on the planet right now. And then later on as well, Josh and I are going to be talking about EA and Star Wars. Is that love fest still there? They signed a deal for 10 years. Is EA and Star Wars ready to break up already? We're going to talk about that a little bit later on. And then, sorry to say this, but fans of Thor out there, we're going to be touching on our latest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as we continue to break that down with Thor, the Dark World, and why for me it was very dark. But for Josh, it may still be a bright hope. We're going to be talking about that and a whole lot more on this week's episode. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest reviews and opinions on everything pop culture, head on over to our brand new site, www.popculturecosmos.wordpress.com.
And we're back with another edition of the Cosmic Crossfire. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We thank you again for sticking around and listening to us here on the show. And he is back once again. He is in charge of everything at robmccallumfilms.com. You got to check out all of his great projects there today. Plus, also as well, his backed or busted crowdfunding site on Facebook. You just type in backed or busted crowdfunding to get the latest info on whether or not he's going to back or bust some great pop culture crowdfunding ideas. It is Rob McCallum. What's going on in your world when it comes to pop culture? There was news about a Jurassic Park, Jurassic World arena show that uh, is in the works where the audience will interact with the stage in ways never before. Presumably this means dinosaurs will be roaming, like roaming through the, through the audience. Any love for these arena stage shows as much as I love Jurassic park and Jurassic world. And I've made that very clear. I think these are all dumb. If somebody wants to give me tickets to experience it, I'm more than willing to give it a shot. (laughs) My gosh. Always working an angle. Well, I, I, I will tell you what, as someone who has two wonderful daughters that do enjoy these experiences, the Marvel arena shows we've been to before and countless other kids related concerts, uh, you know, shows, presentations, ice shows, skating things uh, and whatnot, Disney on ice. They've made a fortune over the years. It is an experience for the younger audiences when you deal with that. But Jurassic Park, you know, you're obviously going to get a younger audience to that. That's probably allured by the I fact that you're going to be... First of all, that's a really younger audience franchise. I feel like it, it's it a sci-fi PG-13-ish. It isn't supposed to be. I agree with you on that. But I think who are you going to draw in? You're going to draw in those kids that are interested in the dinosaurs and whatnot and not realizing it's going to be some dinosaur eating somebody, you know, right there. On, on I the really stage. hope that's how the stage opens or closes. A T-Rex just like rips open the arena and comes down and like chomps some innocent four-year-old with glasses who can barely speak. Oh, oh you got to say this. Clever girl. Clever girl. We're going to have to change gears. We're going to get a little serious here now, Gerald. And I'm not being facetious, even though that sounds very facetious. I know it does. Black Panther is set to come out in February. They just had the world premiere the other night. Is it too on the nose to release Black Panther during Black History Month? Wow. Didn't think of it that way before, but yes, you are right. Uh, no, I, I think. And also the, the early reviews have come in. And it does send a message. It does send a message in, from what I'm able to ascertain in regards to diversity. And, and also, just from what the previews and what the trailers we've seen, it sends a message as far as uh, racial equality. And I don't think it's too much. I think it's uh, uh, something that needs to be said. I think it's a statement that needs to be made. And I'm just very happy for uh, Marvel that they're going to be able to put uh, you know, this type of, of cultural statement out front and center and they're going to make a ton of money off of it i know we've talked about this before and i'm just exactly you know very very uh thrilled that that we're going to be able to see something that a lot of people are excited for and you know i'm just hoping that that's going to be a great movie and 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 get a lot of great box office returns but i I see a lot of great hype for it and a lot of great buzz and I think it's going to be a great bit of success for it. And I don't mind at all that it's coming on Black History Month. I think it actually fits right in. So here's the problem I have with that. And 
It would be akin in some ways if Wonder Woman were to come out in October during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Like, I don't want the first time that we get a Black Panther movie, you know, uh, an African-American character, well, an African character, you know, leading uh, a massive blockbuster film from Marvel to be pigeonholed by a month that is dedicated to history of it when you could spread that message instead of containing it to the shortest month of the year, putting it in March and extending that mission. We're going to be talking is, about black like history for the entire month. So put it in March, put it in April so that we can have that message spread out when we're already going to be inundated with media during February, naturally because of what happens in February with black history month, which is a whole nother discussion about why it's really isolated to that single month instead of racial equality, not just blacks versus white, but all races treated equally. Don't put a film that's this big outside of like, like put it outside of that month. That's the statement you want to send that that this character is important. You want to release this character in May. Tell me that doesn't send a better signal than releasing it in the guaranteed month where everybody's talking about it. So it's secure box office dollars. Well, I understand you're seeing it from a dollars and cents. Uh, and Isn't Disney and Marvel? And ultimately, that's the, what they have to do. But I think it is making history in and of itself as far as the... I agree. The, the, the film and its statement and all that stuff, 100%, it is making history of itself. We're talking specific release strategy. And there's no better there better time to release it than in the middle of Black History Month. I think it, that's the case. But also as well, you got to have have time to let it breathe before Infinity War as well. That's, I mean, by the time it gets stale and out of theaters, it will probably be what uh, late March, early April, and then you've got another four weeks later, you've got Infinity War come knocking on the doorstep. So. I think it's a good time. I don't think if if you put it in March, it may be too soon that and it may not have time to breathe. Just like we've been talking about with Star Wars: The Last Jedi and Solo. I, I just disagree. I think it is too pigeonholed. I, I don't think it's respectful of the material and the messages that are being purported in the film. I don't think you contain a message as powerful that this says on an industry level, not just with the message within the narrative. I don't think you send this industry level message about the appeal of, of black characters and racial representation on the big screen and hundred plus million dollar blockbusters. And I don't think you can find it in the one month where everybody's, you know, spending an extra few minutes talking about the importance of that you move it outside to make the discussion a little bit longer, a little bit bigger. That's what you do. In my opinion, again, I use the same analogy with wonder woman. You don't pigeonhole wonder woman in October during breast cancer awareness month, because she happens to be a woman and tie that together. You put her on the stage, you put her in prime summer blockbuster territory because that's what the character deserves. And that's where you get the message about uh, female empowerment and women equality. So it's not clouded by anything else. That's the other thing. You don't want this this film to be tethered to everything else that's going on with Black History Month. You want it to stand on its own ground. You don't want some guy on a podcast or a new show to say, well, of course they released it during Black History Month because it's about Black History. No, it's not. It's not about that at all. You know what I mean? That That's uh, my fear. I, I, and my, I, I, my bigger fear is if it flops or Wonder Woman 2 flops. If those two films flop, the industry is going to change like that on a dime saying, oh, those were flash in the pans. Wonder Woman was a flash in the pan. We're not going to do anything like that anymore. Or Captain Marvel. Exactly.
Well, I think it is making history, and I think it is the the, the perfect time to do it. And uh, like I said, I wasn't even thinking about the correlation in time. I just I was just looking forward to the actual movie itself. But I can understand why. And and like from a business sense, yeah, I you know it it is what it is. But making some some big time statements coming out in that weekend because also it is a very very heavy and busy weekend because people seem to go out to the movies on valentine's day weekend and that's the other thing that's so strange about having a blockbuster of this caliber released in february which is typically comedy season horror season uh or romance of course uh and so to see a marvel entry in february is really strange you usually get one late march or april around easter weekend depending on how the calendar falls may of course june and july are all up for grabs but never february certainly never january and it will be going up against 50 shades the final 50 shades supposedly and you and i both know that is a front running movie and when i say front running movie it means that in the it's going to get the bulk of its money within the first couple weeks and then yeah, it's going to just horror, it's, it's operating exactly like a horror film does it, it's so front loaded uh, on that movie but marvel is knows that they're aware of that and that's it's surprising that they did put the movie when they did but it's valentine's day season so they go out to the movies a lot on that weekend so i, I can see that as well so i I am uh, pleased that it is coming out very soon. I am very excited for it. And I think you do need some breathing time between actual release of Black Panther and the Infinity War. I think March would have been a little bit too close, in my opinion. So, uh, you know, I know you and I disagree. But if it is a statement just because to put it on Black History Month, I, I hope that's not the case. I understand that's a targeted reason and maybe that they're trying to go ahead and get, uh, you know, assure the highest profitable point in time for the movie because like you said you're 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 risking over a hundred and some odd million with a production budget but i don't mind the placement at all but if you're saying it's just a gimmick and whatnot which i i think you're in a, you know a roundabout way you might be saying it is and no that's I, I just want to make sure the politics of doing this are are in the best interest and i don't want politics and in, in, in dollar risks uh to to align i i think that's a, a really cruddy thing to do well, I, I I agree with you on that, but unfortunately, in our, our days and times right now, politics seems to get in the way of everything, and it's very unfortunate that that's the case. But uh, I'm hopeful that Black Panther will come out as a very strong movie and a great statement towards all the things that good people hold dear. All right. Well, until next week. If you've got any thoughts uh, that you want to send out to us or topics you want, want us to cover, share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Rob McCallum Films, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. Rob, it's always a great pleasure having you as part of the Cosmic Crossfire and, of course, right here on Pop Culture Cosmos. Okay, auditions for the new Earth Station Who co-host. Take one. Go ahead. Hello, Stonehenge. Who takes the Pandora Cup, takes the universe, but, bad news everyone, cause guess who, ha, listen, you lot you're alwaysing about, it's really very distracting, could you all just stay still a minute because I am talking. Not too shabby, can you close this up?
Earth Station Who, a fun mashup celebrating over 50 years of the Doctor Who universe. You never know where the TARDIS is going to go next. Earth Station Who podcast can be found at www.earthstationwho.com. Earth Station Who is a proud member of the ESO network. We are up on Facebook, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Peace and we are done. Did I pass the audition? We'll get back to you. Next. And we're back. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We want to thank you so much for sticking around with us. We truly, truly appreciate it. You want to make sure if you get a chance to check out our show on one of these great stations, if you're not already on the Podcast Radio Network, we're on Monday nights, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific, or also as well, Croc Radio, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, the Western Digital Reserve Broadcasting Network has us on Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Also as well, Good Talk Radio. Hey, we're on them as well for two hours on Sunday night, 9 to 11 Arizona time. We're also on a ton, an absolute ton of downloadable networks. If you want to download our podcast, Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, Podbean, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunny Geek Network, and while you're checking out us on the Gunny Geek Network, you can also check out the Just One More Fix show where the crew are reunited to talk about whether historical accuracy matters or not in tabletop RPGs. And once again, check out their show, the Just One More Fix show, right on the Gunny Geek Network, which we are on as well, or one of the other dozen podcast networks that we're on as well. But with Josh, he has... His Humanica Media going strong and so many shows on all their formats. So, Josh, what's going on with your great entity known as Humanica Media? Oh, funny you ask, Mr. Glassford. <laughs> uh, let's see. Tomorrow you can see brand new episodes of Topicocalypse and What About This? And then uh, I want to say Tuesday or Wednesday, I hope uh, Inside Sports will have a breakdown of the Super Bowl going up for you. Also, don't forget to watch or listen to Attack of the Humanicans. You know, if you're on the on, on the road and you haven't downloaded the podcast yet, you can check out the latest episodes of Super BS and all your favorite shows. Yeah, that's all we got for now. That's on the Podcast Radio Network, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget the PCC Multiverse, our second show on Friday nights, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Podcast Radio Network as well. So, Josh, a few years back, you know, it seemed like only yesterday, when EA announced an agreement with Disney and Lucasfilm to do exclusive Star Wars video games for the next 10 years. It's been a few years now. It's going on, what, four or five about that right now? In that four or five range since they started development on the games? And what we've seen is two battlefronts, a studio closure, a single-player entity that was canceled three years in, games from the Star Wars universe that they're developing maybe coming at the earliest 2020? Maybe earlier? And not the least of which, Battlefront and Battlefront 2, for various reasons, both getting trashed by the media, by fans, and by gamers with declining sales 
by a wide margin for Battlefront 2 to the tune of at least three to four million less than what the original Battlefront did two years ago. So I ask you, Josh, with all that into play, what are your thoughts now on the EA Star Wars merger? Is it time to just end it early and call it a day and have the Star Wars universe go into someone else's hands? This is what EA Star Wars universe is an endless hype train. That's all it is. And they get people stoked and then they bash their hopes for, yeah, they get, they get them stoked and they bash their hopes for a, a good future game. And then they, they, uh, you know, they announce all this stuff and then they, uh, they don't pull through with it. And then they, you know, the whole thing with the loot boxes. And now they're saying that uh, since sales on battlefront two are declining, they're going to keep, uh, they're going to, be slowly reinserting the uh, the loot boxes. So we like to think that they're listening to what we're saying, but they're not. And they have just done. You know, don't get me wrong. Battlefront, uh, Battlefront Two, and Battlefront One. They were they were fun, sort of. But also, the loot box controversy has really made it hard for Battlefront Two to gain any type of foothold. I know people during the holidays were taking the pictures of all the. Battlefront 2s that were left on the shelves and and all that bad publicity they were getting. So that really didn't help the sales of Battlefront 2, correct? Right, right. So yeah, and I you know, I just I was saying that they uh, had read that they are actually going to be reinstating loot boxes because the sales of Battlefield 2 were not Battlefield Battlefront 2 were not what they were hoping they would be, not what they did, not what they were expecting them to be. So you know, they just, they don't have any goodwill towards the fans. And like, especially with with a property like Star Wars, they're not doing themselves any favors. It's like, they don't listen to the fans and they're not doing the Star Wars uh, brand any favors. So by the time someone else gets the, the license, assuming EA doesn't rebid for them, it's going to leave a bad taste in gamers' mouths and we're not going to want to pick any more games up in the future. And that's totally a shame because there's been so many games in development that we've had hope for just before EA took over the series, there was that single player game that was being developed at Lucasfilm in-house. And then there's all that looked really, really darn good as far as I think it was Star Wars 1313, if I'm not mistaken. And then of course, the latest uh, tragedy was the developer for Dead Space and one of the, the writers and creators and forces behind the Uncharted series, Amy Hennig, she was a part of that got kicked to the can after three years of development because EA was not in love with the fact that it's a single player narrative. So that, that was truly a disappointing thing as well. So I don't know. I think it's time for EA and Star Wars to just have the divorce, separate. It's time to go ahead and you know wish each other well. But but and all their endeavors, but and just you know move on to different ventures for each of them. Yeah, but you know, on the off chance that Microsoft ends up acquiring EA, that could completely shift the paradox. I mean, that could literally change everything. So it, if if EA stays down this road, it's going to be a dangerous one. But if Microsoft, you know, with the Star Wars brand in the hands of Microsoft, that could that could be something. There are some possibilities there. It could be, but I'm I'm at this point in time, I'm. They also. Microsoft was rumored to be interested in Valve, and right now, if I'm taking EA or Valve, I'm I'm thinking Valve would probably be the better option at this point in time. But 
uh, still, uh, you know, that being the case, I think ENA and Star Wars, I think it's just time that they, they go their separate ways. They end it early. They call it a day. But you know they're not. They're going to finish off their contract at least and, and see if they can salvage it. But it's definitely disappointing the way EA has handled the Star Wars license since they got it. And for me, the 10-year deal between EA and Star Wars cannot end soon enough. What are your thoughts on the EA and Star Wars deal? Do you think it's been, as Lando Calrissian would say, this deal is getting worse all the time? Is it something like that? Or is it something that you think can get better with time? Or have you been happy with the Battlefront games that have been coming out? And are you cool with the single-player narrative that was in development being shut down and also the closure of the studio behind Dead Space being closed as well? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and Humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. I don't think anybody were really was really happy to see the closure of that studio. And I'm sure not even many more gamer fans that are out there were very happy with the closure and canceling of that single-player narrative and the Star Wars universe as well. So it could have been something really special, especially coming off the fact that Battlefront 2 actually had its opportunity to have a single-player narrative in their game, and they did it. And unfortunately, it stunk. And by most accounts that were out there, people were really not happy with it. as just a poor uh, presentation overall. And uh, unfortunately, that that's part of the reason why maybe Battlefront 2 is not garnering the same amount of sales that even its predecessor did. So the future is not looking bright for the EA Star Wars universe at this point in time. But you never know. There's still more games on the horizon. So we will hopefully be able to report better news down the road. Coming up next, we've got Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. He's going to be sharing his thoughts, and I will as well, on who we think the best pro wrestler in the world is right now. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. Set your future on fire. And we're back, continuing our, our great show here. It's awesome to, to keep you here with us at the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast here today. It is always great to have him here. He is our aficionado when it comes to what's going on in the squared circle when it comes to professional wrestling. It is the man, the myth, the legend, along with his good friend, Brian the Kingpin Malonis, with the wrestling podcast about nothing. You got to check it out every Tuesday night, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, 7.30 p.m. Pacific on the Podcast Radio Network. It's on the BDA Network, Apple Podcasts, and so many other great outlets. It's Mike Crockett. What's going on, man? Thank you, Gerald. Uh, always great to be here. There's some great professional wrestling talk to go about. Who, in your opinion, is the best wrestler on the planet? And who do you think will replace that individual maybe two years down the line, maybe when we talk about this subject again? Um, let me see. I, I have to go with... The past couple of years, AJ Styles, I think, is the best wrestler in the world. 
it's tough because I don't get to see as much New Japan as I want to. To perhaps, I mean, I'm not sure. Kenny Omega is right up there as well. But for me, from what I see week in and week out, I think AJ Styles is the best wrestler on the planet. He's been doing it for so long. It's amazing. A guy's over 40 years old and he's doing it still at a very high level. He came into WWE late in his career, but still able to do amazing things and do things, like I said, at the very highest level. And He's going into WrestleMania to wrestle uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. They've had that match before at Wrestle Kingdom. It's going to be excellent at WrestleMania as well. Can't wait to see it. But for someone who could challenge the crown, who could uh, perhaps take AJ Styles' place, I mean, there's a guy who wrestled in the main event of the NXT TakeOver show. Johnny Gargano is a guy who is not the biggest guy in the world. He's like a... I don't want to put this on him <laughs> this early in his career, but he's a Shawn Michaels type. He's a, a, a smaller guy, but he goes 100 miles an hour. He goes 100% each and every time. He had an excellent, excellent match with Andrade Cien Almas for the NXT Championship just a little while back at NXT TakeOver, and he could be a guy to watch going forward. I mean, I'm not saying next year. I'm not perhaps not saying two years from now, but maybe like five years from now, Johnny Gargano could be at the very top of the card and, and doing great things. And you saw a little preview of it at NXT takeover against uh, Cien Almas. I think that's an excellent choice. Uh, I also want to throw, we threw, we threw out his name before in the past, but I want to throw out his name again, Ricochet. I think uh, whether you know him as Prince Puma from Lucha Underground, I think he is a tremendous performer and I think also, if given the right push, he can actually go ahead and wow audiences for years to come. I still think he's got a lot left in the tank. Uh, as far as a performer, AJ Styles is on top. Kenny Omega is also, by many, considered the best wrestler on the planet as well. And I cannot disagree with you as well on that. Asuka could be something special as well if they keep her as strong as they, as they do. Um, Charlotte Flair... And then there's also developmental talent in NXT who I think actually could be better at some point in time than a lot of the individuals in the WWE as well. So the, they uh, AJ Styles right now is even at in 40 plus, he, he brings a good word to anybody that's in their 40s, like <laughs> certain people I know, <laughs> me. <laughs> but you know, just seeing him perform out there the way he can just, just brings a smile to my face that he's got the chance after all those years in TNA and a lot of people thought he was pigeonholed within the TNA environment. And it's nice to see that he's broken out upon being that superstar that, you know, many, including you and I both thought he could be. So that's definitely a, a great observation indeed. And I don't want to say to Oscar. Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know what it is. I have to change that mentality. I'm always thinking when you say a wrestler, I'm thinking a male wrestler and it's, it's a passe, uh, mindset. I have to adjust. Asuka is fantastic. She's uh, done so much good for women's wrestling. She's done so much good in WWE. She's got such an amazing presence about her. Her entrance, her entire presentation is out of this world. Asuka is, I mean, yeah, a wrestler, wrestler, male, female, they're all wrestlers they're all superstars, quote unquote, in WWE, but Asuka is right up there as well. I have to agree with you there. You know, with the influx of a lot of great talent coming into the NXT and the WWE, that the WWE is going to look even stronger, I believe, later this year or even 2019 and 2020 going forward. 
I think a return by Cody Rhodes, if he ever decides to come back, will also be a nice addition as well. I think he could, if given a better chance in the WWE, could probably uh, prove to to make a better impact. Sorry for the pun uh, than he did before previously in the WWE, but that's just my my warning as well. But be that as it may, I want to ask you one last thing before you head on out. Why do people need to go out of their way as wrestling fans to check out your show, the wrestling podcast about nothing? My personal favorite as far as the wrestling scene, but you know, that's just my choice. But why do people need to hear your show, the wrestling podcast about nothing? Well, because we have ROH superstar, the Kingpin Brian Malonis, of course. <laughs> of course, of course, indeed. And the Terry Funk of professional wrestling referees himself, Mike Crockett. Yes. And no, uh, myself and Brian uh, talk about current professional wrestling. We talk about old school professional wrestling. Uh, we talked to a lot of our friends uh, just over the holidays. We actually had Warbeard Hanson on right before he signed with NXT. So you can go and check that out. If really, if you want to go back really early on in our run, we did a, a two part episode talking to Warbeard Hanson. If you want to hear a story about a guy that went through some stuff to get to WWE, Go back and listen to our two-part interview. I think it's episode like eight and nine of the wrestling podcast about nothing. It's in our archives. You can find it uh, at uh, wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be there. And that story is just, I mean, it's amazing. You really want to go back and listen to that. And so we do some great interviews. We do some great talk. We have some great guests on. And it's something you really just, <laughs> like you said, you got to go out of your way to check out the wrestling podcast about nothing. And just hear me and Brian, uh, you know, dig on each other for an hour a week. You can't go wrong there, right, Gerald? No, you can't go wrong. I've, like I said, I've heard many episodes. They are a great pair indeed, too, because you know, not only you guys are friends, but also as well the 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 type of rapport you have on your podcast is truly makes it one of the the best professional wrestling podcasts or podcasts, regardless on the internet today or basically wherever you can get your podcasts that are out there. You cannot miss this show each and every week that's the wrestling podcast about nothing with mike crockett and of course the kingpin brian malonis mike as always it's been a great pleasure having you on the show you know you're always welcome back and i'm going to get you back on before the big day you know have they trademarked wrestlemania to the point where you can't say wrestlemania or advertising it yet like like you know that that super thing <laughs> the big event let's just say the big event gerald yes. Okay, sorry. It's in April. Okay, okay. I just wanted to make sure, you know, that that big event in April, you know, starts with a W. But uh, definitely going to get you on beforehand. We're going to talk more about not only the WWE, but the future going forward. And, of course, everything going around that's important in the world of professional wrestling. And as always, Mike, you are the man when it comes to pro wrestling. And I'm just so grateful to have you on once again. Thanks a lot, Gerald. Just want to say really quickly, we have a website. If you want the, the big hub for everything wrestling podcast about nothing, it is the WPAN.com. T-H-G-W-P-A-N.com. That is the hub. You can find uh, where we are. You can subscribe to us and all our various outlets. And it's all right there in one place, the WPAN.com. Thank you very much, Gerald. Well, I, I still want to see you holding up the Ring of Honor World Championship for uh, Kingpin Brian Malonis one day, and you're going to put it right on that side, I hope, correct? You're going to be waiting a long time to see that show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Fair enough. Once again, it is Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast About Nothing. You got to check out all of his great episodes today on the Podcast Radio Network, BDA Radio, and of course, Apple Podcasts and so many others. Mike, thanks so much again, as always, for being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you're tired of sifting through flea markets for rare and unique games, we can help. Retro City Games in Henderson, Nevada, only five minutes from the Las Vegas Strip, has all your favorite gaming staples, classics, and a wide selection of rare games with new stuff always appearing on our shelves. Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where here comes this other major player. They have a ton of resources. Apple could change the way that entertainment is consumed. They say it's the only time this year that you'll have stars from each brand battling each other. And we know it's not going to be the case, but they like to say that and more power to them, I guess. Well, it's a big first step bringing all those superheroes together. There were definitely some parts of the movie that I that I really enjoyed. And then there were some parts that I thought just kind of fell short of expectation. Part of it has to be something to do with how it's being promoted. And this is a thing where audiences do not agree with critics. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse, every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts. And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back to close out the show. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glasser from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. Thanks again for sticking around the entire hour. We truly appreciate it. We want to thank and congratulate again Rob McCallum. He, you know, obviously it was great for him being in the Cosmic Crossfire, but also as well, we congratulate him on his newborn baby girl. Just, just truly happy for the entire family and and uh, Tanya and and everyone there in the family. That's just so happy to to see this new point in his life for him. And I'm sure he's still on a high right now as we speak. And also as well, Mike Crockett from the Wrestling Podcast about nothing. I want to thank him for sharing his thoughts as well on the best wrestler right now in the world. Josh, in our continuing series with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, as we break down all the films leading up to Black Panther and the Infinity War, we're up to Thor The Dark World, my friend. All I want to say is if people want to check out my total thoughts on Thor The Dark World, which actually have gotten worse since because of all the events leading again, as we talked about with Thor in Thor Ragnarok, you want to check that out on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. That is my guide to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Josh, you've had a different opinion over the years on Thor The Dark World. I think it still holds a special place in your heart. For me, it doesn't. It holds a special place somewhere else, but I won't say where. But in your opinion... What are your thoughts now when you think about Thor, the Dark World? It, it holds a special place to me. like it, it, And it's not because it's necessarily good, but it's because it was the first time that I got to see Thor on the big screen actually portray the, uh, the broody, sentimental, uh, noble hero Thor that I read about in the comic books. And it's not and like... 
I get your point of view. I get why you don't like it, but like this is just like it was cool to see that iteration. So each Thor movie has been like a different evolution of the character, and it's just it's you know it was it was cool to me. It was I like to see it. I no, I'm not a fan of Natalie Portman. I did enjoy um, what's his name Skarsgård. I enjoyed his, seeing his part on the big screen. You know, it's just cool seeing the mythos, like the the stuff that you would only see in the comic books. Like they really dug deep into the comic books for that movie. And that was cool to see that they, you know, they did the research, made sure it all matched up. It was sad to see uh, what Thor's mom died. But this is the thing in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't really connect to the other Marvel films very well, with the exception of you know, Thor Ragnarok where they're making fun of it. And they had that scene with Matt. Yeah, that's, that's what I was going to say. That's the only relation and only relevance that Thor the Dark World has now is when Matt Damon, Sam Neill, and who else was acting in that scene? I'll find that out. Go ahead. But yeah, they were acting in that scene in Thor Ragnarok and they were, they were actually acting to Anthony Hopkins, who is actually Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston. Yeah. Yeah, so that I mean that's really the only thing that connects. Oh, and also the uh, the ether is you know obviously an infinity stone. You know, as far as character development goes, the characters aren't really tied to each other. Like, what's his name? Selwig didn't come back for any of the Infinity War movies. Uh, we we saw a a moment between Loki and Thor, which was undone in Ragnarok, then reforged in the end of Ragnarok, and now is clearly undone in the trailers for Infinity War. Yeah, honestly, like there's not a lot that I can say about this movie. I, I liked it for uh, for its place, uh, for what it did oh, as far as the mythos goes. Luke Helmsworth, Chris's brother. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yep. But no, it was, uh, I mean, you know, it is what it is. I like it less now that I've seen Ragnarok and they kind of threw all that mythology out the window. Not mythology, but backstory, but... I, I I still I would rather watch the Dark World than Thor one. What are your thoughts out there on Thor: The Dark World? Do you think it still holds any semblance of relevance outside of that acting scene in Thor Ragnarok, or do you think the actions in Thor Ragnarok totally make the the movie in like in my opinion totally meaningless and otherwise a waste of time in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanica Media, and Game Source on Facebook and Twitter as well. I will say again, Thor The Dark World for me was a lousy movie and a lousy experience, but it was made even worse and, and was really just like stepped on like it was a like it was a, a piece of gum or something like people, something, somebody stepping on it with Thor Ragnarok really just trying to rub it out of its existence. Uh, that was like, you know, just really just putting insult to injury right there for you. But if you have different thoughts, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to go ahead and just share that on the show. Josh, been a great show, but any last thoughts on the way out? Yeah, I was actually going to mention, um, you know, we saw a Black Panther, like, car commercial, but uh, that was one trailer that was conspicuously absent. And I don't know, maybe it's because it's already hit theaters, maybe it's at an awkward time, but... Uh, even just seeing that again, I think would have got people hyped about it. Though, from what I understand, ticket sales they don't really need much more hype. But uh, that's it, true. That's true. It's, but it's just it's a fun trailer to watch. It's probably one of my favorite Marvel trailers I've seen so far. It is, but it was kind of interesting to note that in the Super Bowl commercial for that that did have the Black Panther in it, 
was actually a Lexus commercial and not an Audi. So that may tell you about which car maker that the Marvel Universe will be driving from this point forward. And plus, before we head on out, I want to make mention of something really near and dear to my heart. That is something that my good friend Josh Peterson wrote on popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. There's some very deep thoughts from Josh. Uh, if you want to check it out, it's going to be like an ongoing blog that he's going to share his thoughts on uh, you know, what's going on in his life. Uh, if you want to get a chance, you want to check it out. It's very, very open-hearted. It's, it's, it's like, almost like opening a book from the author himself. And, and to me, it was very meaningful and I thought it was very deep. And, and, you know, I reached out to him and, you know, he's, he's here today with me and, and everything's great because of it, because this show can't run at all without him. Oh, it can run without me. That's for sure. But it can't certainly run without him for very long. So I truly am grateful to have him as my cohort in crime in this. And, and just, if you want to check out his thoughts, what's going on and, and hopefully it will touch a lot of people out there as well. You want to check it out, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Uh, he's going to be adding some entries in the future that hopefully will, will touch people's hearts out there and, and hopefully will keep him as well in a very good place. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at ESONetwork.com. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to another episode of Bacter Busted. I'm your host, Rob McCallum, a.k.a. Rob McZob on Twitter. Check me out there, follow me, send me a message. And today, as always, we are looking at what works in the world of crowdfunding. If you have a campaign that you'd like me to highlight, or if you'd like me to take a look at your project before it launches, or even if it is live, hit me up at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com, on Facebook, facebook.com slash crowdfunding, or like I said, on Twitter, at Rob McZob. Today, we're looking at Mythic, a quarterly science fiction and fantasy magazine. It's on Kickstarter, so let's head over there right now. So here we are on Kickstarter. Again, we're taking a look at Mythic. Now, this pairs nicely with another project that we had looked at recently, uh, which is another science fiction and fantasy magazine, or horror fantasy magazine. That was, of course, Sinister Harvest. Here is Mythic, and uh, yeah, they are doing pretty well, I think. Uh, from what I see in the onset, we see a few issues here. Uh, this is an ongoing magazine publishing original science fiction and fantasy stories. So that is cool. Uh, they are looking for $6,000, $380 bucks so far from 14 backers, but they do have 25 days to go. 
Um, this is listed under periodicals. It's not under publishing. Uh, it is out of Danville, Illinois. This is not a um, a Kickstarter that they love or that they have acknowledged yet, but it might just have been too early. This is the first that Founders House has uh, done as, par- as far as a project. Uh, and you'll notice right away they don't actually have a video to play, but if you scroll down here, you do get... Uh, a video to play. So let's check that out. I'm not sure why it's down here and not up there. Maybe they just wanted to showcase this uh, right away, although that could have been a thumbnail. So let's just take a look at uh, their video and see what they have to say. Hi, everyone. My name is Sean Kilgore, and I'm the editor of Mythic, a quarterly science fiction and fantasy magazine. We've decided to do a Kickstarter. Our main objective is to make Mythic even better than it already is. We're an ongoing publication. We've been in print for just over a year now and have produced five great issues. One of the things I would I, the one of the things I've wanted to do over and over again is to pay our authors professional rates. So that's what this is. This is a way to fund the magazine and improve the compensation to our writers to add even more special features and great uh, content to every issue and to build our subscriber base. So in, in, in essence, this is a uh, subscription drive as well as a way of better uh, funding our magazine for the foreseeable future, at least for the, the, the next year. But we, we need your help. We need your support and we need your backing to make this happen. So we've created this Kickstarter campaign to do just that. So check it out. Thanks for your time. Okay, so that was the pitch video for Mythic. Again, it's not in the typical spot that it usually is. Uh, It is down here. uh, And we got to see a video from Sean. His name is Sean Kilgore, as we see here. And essentially the video is just a straight shot of him talking to probably his cell phone. And he's reading off, uh, looks like a monitor. You can see the reflection in the background. And there's a lot of pauses uh, during his speech as he's scrolling through uh, the next paragraph of all his talking points. Now, I'll give him points because I like the Justice League poster that's in the background. But that's about it for this video. It doesn't do a lot to convince me of his confidence in the project, in the book. Uh, the video is not shot professionally. It's not lit. The, the audio is good, though. Um, so that's that's a, that's a one plus for him. Uh, it is just being picked up through his his cell phone or whatever device he's using, possibly a webcam, too. Uh, but this is the kind of the worst kind of video that you can do. Uh, for Kickstarter is that it is the like bottom rung of the ladder in terms of videos you talking to your your camera getting it out there um, he is not a presenter he is not uh, somebody who's comfortable and savvy on camera and this is not a knock against Sean it, it's a very difficult thing to do to be a presenter to be that uh, that personality type that can command you know everybody's attention this is again not a knock against him but if i'm doing a kickstarter i want somebody who can speak eloquently on camera that doesn't have to read off a screen that can riff a bit that knows the talking points that can make it work sean is not the guy i am glad that he's the editor and he's the one behind this project i think it's important for him to be in the video but not necessarily to be the star of the video even if he was to say 
Hi, my name is Sean Kilgore. I'm not a good speaker, but here's a guy who can tell you everything about it and why it's important. They, they didn't cut to any of the covers from the other issues, which we see here, which are really nice and super visual, which I, which I like a lot. It's the complete opposite with this video. Remember, your video is a reflection of your project. If you want me to believe in it, I've got to believe in the video. It is, it is one of the most important elements of every campaign. So with that, after I'm done beating them up, and again, apologies, Sean, but uh, you know, there's, there's no favorites here on backed or busted crowdfunding. Let's jump through the, the campaign and see what we can learn here. Uh, so he introduces himself again. He's been inspired by the old pulp magazines of the early to mid 20th century. Uh, he, he started Mythic in 2016. His goal then was simple to offer a new place to showcase unique voices and new visions and genres that were often pigeonholed by recurring themes, setting characters and conventions. Uh, Mythic provided the venue for exploring stories. He had great reception with many subscribers jumping on board. The first issue that appeared in print, the emphasis was and remains on print. Mythic is a 7x10 print publication first and foremost. It offered a dynamic way to present the content and share, but it cannot avoid the realities of readership today. So he expanded to include the ebook. Okay, so that's smart. So he's learning stuff. To date, there have been five issues. He's bootstrapped the process entirely, meaning he's done it all. Uh, he's done it on his own, editing, designing, and publishing each one. Good for you, Sean, because uh, I really like the look of the covers at the very least. Uh, he was able to make it a paying market, but, uh, but a lower flat rate based one. However, my aspirations for Mythic were much higher. So why Kickstarter? Not any any ongoing magazine has expenses involved in printing the issue and paying the authors, and maybe paying the editor a little something too, which you can't blame the guy who wants to do things for free. Mythic is no exception. I'd recently heard about other magazines by creators I know achieving for funding for their short story magazine ventures via Kickstarter, so I thought I'd give it a try. So that's great. I'm seeking the funds necessary to, to keep publishing the magazines and to do so while paying our authors professional rates. Basically, he started at a flat rate market, but his primary goal is to pay authors at least five cents a word. So that's awesome. As a quarterly, I like to I like to have plenty of stories, so I generally have at least 10 pieces of short fiction per issue, though that number has been as high as 13 book reviews. And in one case, an essay has also been included as part of this campaign. I want to build off that, add more content and interior illustrations that will make Mythic more like the old pulps that originally inspired it. So that's cool. So this is definitely something in its infancy. So he's already gone to stretch goals here. Um, six cents is the goal. They'll be able to fund one issue there of what was going on. And uh, 12000 if we reach this amount, we cover expenses for two issues plus additional content. Uh, 18000 three issues. 24000 can fund a whole year of Mythic. Uh, all backers receive their choice of two issues of Mythic in either print or ebook. New subscribers receive all current issues. Above 24000 if we hit the stretch goal, we use additional funding to pay subsequent issues of Mythic and move towards paying authors six cents a word for original short fiction. So I really like that. Uh, and here are some of the issues. It looks like issue five. Issue five and six. Um, risks and challenges. The, the publishers of Mythic know there's always possibility of delays with printing and shipping from time to time, but we've always delivered our books and magazines to our customers. We will face any challenge and make sure provided with a quality magazine every quarter. So the risks are minimal. So that's cool. Uh, I really like that his thing is basically to keep the magazine going. And by keeping it going, the prime uh, challenge is paying authors so they continue to write for him. I, I like that. I think that's admirable. I think it's honorable that he wants to pay the people that appear in his book. And, you know, if he can actually scrape together a few bucks for his time, then I, I don't blame him. Some people might not like that, but I think that's uh, that's the name of the game here. And if he could, if he could, if Sean could do this full time and pay his bills, I think he would. So let's look at the rewards. I'm going to count them first this time. One, two, three, four, 
five five rewards don't hate it love it already so the first one is pledge five bucks you get issue six as an ebook pledge 10 bucks you get a print edition of issue six pledge 25 or more one year electronic subscription you receive a one year subscription to fantasy magazine or to mythic science fiction and fantasy magazine edition starting with issue six in march 2018 and ending with issue nine in december 2018 those who subscribe during the campaign will be listed on a special thank you page and then if you meet the special stretch goals you'll be eligible for those too and then 40 bucks is one year print so it's like 10 bucks an issue and 60 bucks is the international so i'm not sure why it costs more internationally um because you should just adjust the shipping to where that goes and this is only the United States and even I'm in Canada. So right now I know that there's a big difference between those two. So that bothers me a lot right there. Um, I'm going to jump over to KickTrack in a second and see what I can learn uh, from their funding progress. All right. So here I am on KickTrack Mythic. Let's see if we can find it here. Mythic Quarterly. So they're only trending towards 61% of their goal. For some reason, it felt like they were doing better on their page, but I guess not. And this was updated 34 minutes ago. They have 380 bucks of six grand. I guess that isn't that great. Daily data, they've gotten about 100 bucks a day. And if they continue to do that, that's where they're going to end up at the 3600. That's clear. Uh, I'm going to go back to the funding progress here. There's no tags that have been entered. There's no press that I can scroll down to. This is a, a stable curve. I, what I like about this so far is that there's they've only been alive for three days. So they're only doing this for 28 days. They're going from the 19th to the 16th, just after Valentine's Day. And they've had, you know, more, they, they get five backers per day. That isn't bad. They just need to really step it up somehow. Let's see what the trend looks like. Uh, it's not changing all that much. Yeah, I didn't think there'd be enough for a projection yet. So let's just jump back over to Kickstarter. Let's see, there are some of some comments. So let's take a look at the comment. Seeing as my Kickstarter is similar in that I wish to run a successful publication on my board with your project, would also like to join your team and run a section in your publication dedicated to American-made manga. Please check out my Kickstarter. If it sounds like something you're interested, contact me. So there's no uh, response to that. This is basically another creator who is running a project, and they basically want to exchange promotion on each side of it. So if this guy, who's already actually got American-made manga name-dropped here on Kickstarter, um he would basically showcase mythic on his side community of the 14 backers 12 are from the u.s that's overwhelming there's only one new backer to kickstarter uh riverside whoever that is in the u.s i'm not quite sure but yeah so this leaves me with the conundrum is this something worth backing or not now what are the major things that they could do to make this better okay first the campaign video it is clearly the the worst part of this whole experience uh, it just needs to be snappier and draw me in with something thematically that stems from your book. Have some of the authors uh, pen a statement, even if you just have to read it or showcase it on screen as text, which I never recommend. It'd be something. Show us what the inside of, of the book looks like because uh, these covers are great, but I want to see what the inside looks like. Um, has anybody mentioned Mythic anywhere? Like, What kind of presence do you have? Do you have a Facebook page? I don't have anything to really you know, make me that excited about it. So a lot of that can be done in the video if it's not on the page. The campaign is organized well. I mean, the visuals work. Why Kickstarter is right up at the top. We get uh, where he is in terms of the process of the campaign and why he's here. He wants to pay people. That it's, it's noble. It works. Stretch goals are probably a little premature for where he is. I don't know that he's going to hit his goal on this one. 
uh, with you know less than 400 bucks and three days in. Usually, you want to hit 25% of your goal on day one. I think that usually gives you the best uh, outcome from my experience to, to get where you need to get. So that would have been like 1500 on day one. That would have given you a really good fighting shot at 6000 across the 28 days. Uh, but that said, you know, this is something that is um, kind of in my wheelhouse. I like it. Uh, I like science fiction and fantasy, and I want to support new authors and writers. And this, if this helps, you know, people pay some bills and maybe even get Sean some bills here too, then, then so be it. So I am going to uh, back it. All right, so there we are. I backed the project, and as you can see, I got the print edition for $10. Bucks. Um, I really don't need the print edition, but the shipping was included in that. You know, so for 10 bucks, if I get a physical copy that I can maybe hand down to my son or daughter for them to read or get inspired by it, then I think that's cool. And it's only $5 extra from the digital version. And I'm a big fan of physical media, so I like it. So well done, Mythic. You got my, my bucks. Make that video better, though. I don't, want, I don't want you to feel like I'm rewarding you for a crappy video when you have such great subject matter that can be more visually stimulating. So there we go. Backed Mythic officially. If you have a project that you want me to highlight or focus on, let me know. Hit me up at crowdfundingspectacular99 at gmail.com. Reach out to me on Twitter at Rob McZob or hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com slash backed or busted crowdfunding. And I'd love to talk to you and make your campaign better and see it become truly amazing. Until next time, guys, I'm Rob McCallum. <laughs>